As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Straight out of Cobham, the Monday edition. Today, Blues three points clear at the top after nobbling niggly Newcastle in the northeast. Reese Rockets as wingbacks weigh in again. Chelsea FCW book their place at Wembley and more. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad free on the Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. Top of the morning, top of the league to you, dear listener. Here we go again then. Another stroll down Chelsea Way. Is it just me or are these intros getting worse? Don't answer that. Uh, I'm Matt, joined today by two of the Athletics' automatic first team picks. Simon Johnson. Good morning. Good morning to you. And Liam Toomey. Hi, Liam. Has anyone pointed out that you could rename St. James's Park Reese James's Park? I haven't seen anyone make that joke since Saturday. Yeah, pin tweet from Chelsea. Here's the next line that I wrote for today's pod. Okay, let's start with Saturday's win at St. Rhys James's Park. Uh, I don't get it. Puts in the door, back to Loftus cheek, good block. Point blank range, thrown in. Second attempt, second goal. Rhys James bullets Chelsea into a 2-0 lead. A very tough game, you know, we saw that in the first half, uh, trying to break them down many times and yeah, thankfully I scored two goals in the second half and Georgie got a goal as well to, uh, to seal the game and keeping another clean sheet is obviously uh, helps the team build confidence. Uh, Newcastle United, Chelsea 3 then. The Blues had to toil for an hour and a bit, but then Rhys James took the bat on, labelled goal-scoring wing-back from Ben Chilwell and thumped in two lovely strikes before Jorginho added a late penalty. Uh, Simon, what a weekend for Chelsea. Not just this win, but results elsewhere means that all of a sudden they're three points clear at the top of the table. Yeah, it's it's a bit like an advert for uh, a certain beer that, uh, you know... If they could do perfect weekends, yeah, it was it was remarkable, really, because you know you're obviously getting the the score updates from from elsewhere, and when Liverpool raced into a two goal lead, you sort of thought, well, that's that then. Um, and fair play to Crystal Palace. I mean, they've turned into a totally different outfit since Chelsea played them on the opening day. I mean, fair play to Patrick Vieira, but it was still up to Chelsea to do their their job, their side of things, and. You were worried because, or wary, because 
Newcastle are awful. <laughs> they usually are against Chelsea. To be honest. I've seen so many uh, turgid games at St James's Park where they just play exactly the same way. I'm I'm amazed that Graham Jones got away with it, really, given that Steve Bruce was hammered for playing that kind of negative style of football. He just thought, well, what are you trying to achieve here? It's like I'm trying to set a record for least amount of possession. But they did make Chelsea work hard. It was always going to be that challenge of breaking down this this wall of 11 players. And they had to be patient, but they did it very well. And and once again, Chelsea won a game without some key players. You know, it's of course, Lukaku was out. Vernon was already out. We knew that. Um, but then the way that Tuchel just dropped it in in his press conference, when everyone's fit and then right at the end of the broadcast went, oh, actually... No, Kovacic is out for a few weeks because he's done his hamstring. I don't know how that passed him by. But anyway, without Kovacic, Mason Mount taking ill. Um, yeah, another impressive victory. And, and yeah, Chelsea looking very good. Patience, probably the key word here, Liam, wasn't it? Because Newcastle has predicted, put everybody bar Callum Wilson and sometimes Sam Maximum behind the ball and, and Chelsea had to, to break that down. And, and that takes a certain mentality in and of itself to, to stick to the task. Yeah, and it, it felt like at times Chelsea were at risk of frustrating themselves as much as Newcastle were frustrating them because they, they did get a couple of chances and Ziyech was a bit unlucky with a deflected shot that hit the post. He, there was another one he should have done a lot better with. Um, he seemed to be at the heart of Chelsea's most dangerous moments. But it did take a little while and um, in the end... Fortunately for, for for Chelsea, Reese James shoots like a horse, as as Thomas Tuchel said afterwards. Did you understand that? I think it just means he hits the ball really hard. I don't know. I've never seen a horse shoot a football, but yeah. I presume if they if they were going to kick a football, they would do it like they like they kick a human, which is hard. Um, yeah, just imagine a hoof connecting on the volley. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe that's where the phrase "hoof it" comes from. Thinking it out loud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, here's a thing for the pod. <laughs> but it it also kind of evokes the, the image of Reese James backheeling the ball really hard because that's the way horses kick. So I, I, yeah, I, yeah there's a lot. There, there, I think maybe we need to sit down with, with, with Tuchel and, <laughs> and really dig into that one. Um, but I do think it's quite funny that if you look through the Chelsea squad, three of the top maybe five, six ball strikers in the squad are wingbacks. Alonso, Chilwell... James, I think they're all excellent in those sort of situations. If a ball drops to them in the penalty area, you just have confidence that they're going to going to put it in. So yeah, two really impressive finishes. And as soon as they went in, you could, you could see all of the air went out in James's park. The game was well in hand. Bits slightly surprising that James didn't get a chance to take the penalty, especially given you know that he's proven his penalty chops in the in the Carabao Cup recently. I guess that's just seniority isn't it and um and Jorginho put it in so no one could really complain in the end yeah and Jorginho has actually said to the Chelsea website uh Monday morning as we record that that Reese just wished him luck with the penalty rather than ask if he could take it himself so yeah might be true I suppose um nominally a defender Reese James Simon albeit it was attacking prowess that came to the fore for him in this game but it's the defense that, that you and Dom focused on in your post-match piece for the Athletic, just give us some of those frankly ridiculous numbers in terms of shutouts so far this season. Well, it's ridiculous in that this is the best start defensively in terms of goals conceded since Mourinho's 2004-05 side, who currently have 
uh, have the record that you just think can't be beaten, the, the 15 goals against in one season. But we've asked the question or posed the question, can this team actually do it? And if you actually think it's three goals in 10, they're on course to beat it. I mean, it's a long, long way to go. And I, and I spoke to Graham Massot uh, for his uh, insight on it and and some of his uh, reading of it was was very, very good. Obviously, he was in awe of... He played against the 0405 side. He'd, he'd left Chelsea by that stage. He was now a Southampton player. Southampton did quite well, actually, that season. They scored against Chelsea in both games. Still lost. Uh, but, yeah, they, they scored two of the 15. Um, and he just said, look, you know, that, that Chelsea side, there was always someone else to get past. You beat one man, there's another guy. Um, and he sees very similar things in this Chelsea group that it's like, yeah, you've got these holding midfielders, you've got these sitting centre-backs. Yeah, you might be able to target them out wide, but you've got the wing-backs. Then if you even get past them, there's Edouard Mendy in between the posts. And this is the foundation that that a lot of title wins are built on. Um, I actually sort of did a table of the the teams with the six best records in the Premier League and four of those sides went on to win the league. Uh, one of the sides that didn't was Liverpool um, and they had been beaten by Manchester City um, by a point. So it just shows that defence is massive and... Yeah, of course, Chelsea were expected to keep a clean sheet against Newcastle and Norwich, but it's the way they're defending as a group. You just don't see that changing. Um, and as Lasso says, it puts that fear, that thought in your opposition player's head that when you do actually get a chance, you snatch at it. Because you're thinking, oh, wow, I've got a chance. I can't believe it. <laughs> and then you sort of go, oh, no, I've shanked it into Rose Z or whatever. So it's well worth a read, I think, because... Um, yeah, this Chelsea, Chelsea defence deserves all the credit he's getting at the moment. The only note of caution, I would add, comes from the little XG klaxon. That's, that's oh my word, the comments on the piece. that They've been talking about XG a lot. Yes, go ahead, Liam. You, you make the point better than I will. Um, I'm just looking at FB ref at the moment and Chelsea's XG against, expected goals against is 10.5. So they've massively... Um, overperform that and just conceding three goals so far doesn't mean they can't break Mourinho's record or that they won't it does mean that there there could be um, or it wouldn't be a surprise if there was a little bit of regression in that defensive record but the good news is Chelsea have an XG at the other end of the pitch of 17.2 and they've scored 26 goals so they they the, the goals they're scoring is looking a bit healthier as well as long as they've got that margin even if the defence falls off slightly and, and there are slightly fewer clean clean sheets, they should still top out as an, an elite team with a real chance to win the title this season. Certainly looking that way. I've had to reply to some of the uh, the XG aficionados who, who are moaning about the fact we didn't include it in the piece. Um, you mean Liam's burner accounts? Yeah, yeah, yeah Liam was off on one. I could, couldn't stop him. Um, I've got literally nothing else to do at the moment. <laughs> it's just the fact it came under three or four different pseudonyms. I was like, crikey, he's on a roll. Um, but I, I was sort of saying that I, I think XG is a valuable stat, but it's kind of not taking into account, well, you know, if a goalkeeper makes a brilliant save, that that's still a brilliant save. It shouldn't be sort of taken away. Um, but also I think a lot of that... that um, that stat is to do with three games in particular, um, Brentford, Man City and Aston Villa. 
um, where Chelsea were particularly um, open or carved, carved apart and, and Mendy had to be at his very best. I think Chelsea have sort of got better, a bit more solid since then. Um, look, it's, it's still a ridiculously tough record to break. But I think the most important thing is that Chelsea have got this momentum. You only have to look at the 16 goals in 29 Premier League games that Chelsea have conceded since Tuchel took over. And five of those were scored by West Brom in that in that freak game in April. So it's not like this is some kind of lucky streak or um, just a phase they're going through. They've been doing this, performing like this for, for over nine months now. And um, yeah, it's very, very encouraging. Mendy also seems to be taking personally the very notion that you might expect him to concede a goal. So as long as he maintains this kind of form... Do you think he looks at the table? Who knows? <laughs> He's on FB Rifle all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other key takeaway that I had from this game, there were 52,000 supporters there, 2,000 in change from Chelsea, and they were far the noisier of the two. And after my plea on Twitter the other week for Thomas Tuchel to get a song... He finally has one. I asked him about this when I spoke to him post-match. Here's what he had to say. Oh, I didn't hear that. I'm sorry for that. So um, I didn't hear it. If it's like this, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. No, it, I, was, I was impressed. We had so many supporters here. It's anyway a pretty impressive stadium to calm the crowd down like, like we did today. To, to, to today is, is also an achievement and it was by quality and concentration. Well done again. To, to the team and to the players and uh, yeah I'm happy in front of the spectator our, our, our spectator scoring three goals in a away game it's uh, top uh, that's nice isn't it Simon it's about time that, that he was uh, recognised melodically by the Chelsea support I was never in doubt but it just shows just how influential you are Matt um, perhaps perhaps what else can you get started is there uh, <laughs> is, there, is there another song? Perhaps one for us, you know. Uh, what would the tune be? Zalim, to, to me's Blue White Army, you know. Or... Okay, yeah. <laughs> or maybe to the tune of Straight Out of Compton, but um, yeah, that might be a little bit more difficult. Work in progress, we'll call that, TBC. I don't know. I, I feel like inviting match-going Chelsea fans to sing about us could go either way. So, I, I, Oh, I know exactly, yeah. <laughs> I think I think we know which way it will go, Liam, don't we? <laughs> But, you know, one can always dream. Chelsea's next league game is against Burnley at Stamford Bridge this Saturday. Before that, though, there's a trip to Sweden to deal with. We'll look ahead to match day four in the Champions League next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Chelsea head to Scandinavia on Tuesday to take on Malmo in the fourth group H game for the Blues. Chelsea trail the leaders Juventus by three points going into this one. Juve at home to Zenit also on Tuesday. Uh, Liam, can you can you make a case for anything other than a routine win here? Malmo lost all three so far, scored nil, conceded 11, looked poor at Stamford Bridge last week or the week before. They looked seriously pants at Stanford Bridge. Um, that, that, that that's the technical term, Simon. Um, I yeah, I don't. I, I don't see how if Chelsea don't win this game, something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. Um, the aim should be to win it comfortably, really boost the goal difference, and they're going to need Juve to make a mistake somewhere, aren't they? Whether that's when when Juve come to London. Um, or in one of those, or or against Senate, um, they're going to need some sort of slip up if they want to top the group. But if they beat Malmo again comfortably, they put themselves in a very strong position to to qualify, if nothing else. I guess Malmo Simon will be thinking if they can get a point and then beat Zenit, that that will probably get them third and, and into the Europa League. But but realistically, probably not going to happen. W- would you expect many changes to the to the Chelsea team from Saturday? I'm looking at the likes of Aspilicueta, Loftus Cheek, and Barkley maybe to come in. Yeah, I think I think he'll, he'll rotate a little bit, um, but I don't think it'll be a you know like a totally weakened eleven or such because Tuchel will want to get this qualification wrapped up as soon as possible. Um, but in terms of up front, the, the 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 option in terms of who leads the line, it's going to have to be Kai Havertz again. One would have thought, um, which is no bad thing. I, I hope, I hope Callum Hudson-Odoi gets another run out left wing to, to sort of build on this little bit of momentum that he's he's uh, he's getting right now. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be amazed if Chelsea make a mess of this. Um, yeah, it's a lovely, lovely place, Malmo. Lovely little place to play football. Of course, Chelsea went there a couple of years ago in the Europa League. Um, yeah, there's not much else you can say about it, really. <laughs> <laughs> Those of us who are covering the game are grateful that it's the early kickoff. That, that that's the only that's true. other point of note, really. I think um, we will, of course, reflect on that game in our Thursday pod next today. Wembley, Wembley. They're the famous Chelsea FCW, and they're off to Wembley. England in the middle and she sends Chelsea to Wembley another goal for England on this ground one of her favourites and the Blues are in the final for sure now in the final minute of the game Bethany England heads in City nil Chelsea three ruthless from the Blues on Sunday Chelsea's women's team booked their place in last season's FA Cup final confused it's a pandemic thing. Uh, Flo Lloyd-Hughes was on hand in Manchester and sent us this report from the floor of the LNER Manchester Piccadilly to London Euston service. It was a pretty comfortable win in the end for Chelsea. It could have been a slightly different story because City were on top in the first 20 minutes. They were putting pressure on what still seems like a fairly fragile Chelsea defence. It was a back three in the end yesterday of Bright, Ericsson and Nguyen. Nguyen being the new signing from uh, Holland, from PSV Arden She's only played two games so far this season, um, but she looked she looked okay. But yeah, the first 20 minutes or so, Ellen White and Bunny Shaw looked like they might be able to find something and kind of really exploit uh, that weakness that, that's made a lot of mistakes in that, in that defence this season. But the goalkeeping error from Taib for Cuthbert's goal 
it, it was just really one-way traffic after that. City's heads completely dropped. Then Liverpool scored the second goal, which was really bad goalkeeping again. And then it almost felt like, you know, that was half an hour gone and there was just definitely no way back for City then. Um, and Beth England adding the third in the second half. So, yeah, it was really comfortable to us. It just felt like Chelsea really didn't need to get out of, like, second gear. It was only those real first 20 minutes where you thought, oh, OK, maybe, you know, maybe they're going to be put under pressure and it's going to be difficult. But Jess Carter, who was playing as a right wing back, did really well to to really kind of stamp out any threat from Lauren Hemp, which was City's sort of main attacking outlet. They were going through Lauren Hemp down the left-hand side, going direct through her, which she does really well, or trying to sort of play balls over the top to White and Shaw for them to bring down. Uh, but but neither of those really sort of worked. Um, and, yeah, it was just really, really easy in the end for Chelsea. I think it'll be a brilliant final between Chelsea and Arsenal. I think that's really... A mouth-watering fixture, given how good the finals between those teams have been in the past, given how Emma Hayes always wants to play the biggest and best teams. And we know that she always enjoys playing Arsenal as well. They've got a brilliant rivalry and that's a team she loves to beat. And I think after that game at the Emirates, she'll be licking her lips at the prospect of getting revenge and, and not only doing that, but winning a trophy at the same time. And she's focused on finishing a, a, a domestic treble as well with this being the the 2020-2021 trophy which is not confusing at all but yeah 5th of December Wembley I hope to see a lot of Chelsea fans there because it's it should be a brilliant final. Uh, Liam it seems to me that there's a, a bit less reliance on Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby this season you've got the likes of Wright and Cuthbert and England all contributing in terms of goals that, that can only be a good thing we've seen it with the men's first team this season that, that sharing the load lessens the load. Yeah, I mean, as much as you want an incredible scoring partnership uh, like Kerr and Kirby were last season, um, there's a very sort of York and Cole feeling to them. Or Hasselbank and Johnson, I guess, more Chelsea-centric comparison. Um, it's always good to have, have that variety of scoring options. And, it, and it's no surprise that Chelsea would have that because you look at the incredible talent that Emma Hayes has to call upon. I mean, Beth Beth England had the season of her life the year before um, Sam Kerr really established herself in the team. And you could forgive um, England or or Cuthbert or Wrighton for, for feeling a little bit disillusioned at times, you know, because they've maybe not had the minutes that their talent would otherwise command at other clubs and less stacked squads. But I think that's been part of the achievement of Emma Hayes as well, is to keep all of these, all of these top, top players um, feeling involved, feeling valued. And feeling ready to contribute at their very best level when they come in. Um, and that should mean that, you know, over a long season, across multiple competitions, even aside from rotation, you might get an injury to Kirby or Kerr. We, we've seen Kirby miss time, you know, in the last couple of years through no fault of our own. So Chelsea need as many options as they can if they want to try and win the biggest trophies. And it's it's all looking good on that front. Yeah, should be a cracking final. Chelsea and Arsenal, miles above everybody else in terms of quality at the start of the season. It will take place at Wembley on the 5th of December. The Blues will be looking to lift the trophy for the third time. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. 
Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the under-23s drew one all at home to Everton in PL2. On Saturday, they were indebted to sub Jaden Wareham after the former Woking man stepped off the bench to equalise late on. Uh, meanwhile, the under-18s beat Reading by three goals to nil at Cobham. Leo Castledine, Louis Flower and Josh Tobin got the goals for Ed Brand's boys. Elsewhere in other Chelsea Premier League players' news, well, somebody who's not playing is Billy Gilmore. Didn't get off the bench for Norwich as they lost yet again. Conor Gallagher, though, quite the reverse for him. Uh, Simon, if Chelsea were starting next season looking what to do with those two players, Gallagher would be ahead of Gilmore in the pecking order in terms of likely to stay at Stamford Bridge, I guess? Yeah, probably, Matt. Um... <laughs> I mean, there's slightly different positions, playing slightly different positions, of course. Um, I'll start on Billy Gilmore, though. Um, start with Billy Gilmore, rather. Of course, subject of a piece um, that uh, I did with Michael Bailey, the uh, Norwich correspondent, and Mark Carey, the, uh, one of our data analysts. And it is just baffling, absolutely baffling what's going on with him and Norwich, because... You would accept Billy Gilmore not playing if they were lighting it up and playing lovely football. But that game against Leeds, I don't know why I watched it. I think it was probably because I thought, oh, Billy might might get on the pitch. If you know, like you might bring him on, Daniel Farker. But to watch that and still leave Billy Gilmore on the bench, I, I just find incredible. Um, and it, whilst I did say in the piece. Um, I reflected that, that Chelsea at, at this point aren't concerned and that, yes, there's a, rele- um, a release clause where they can bring him back, uh, a recall clause rather, in January, that they weren't thinking about it yet. I, I think it it will start to surely be on their minds. You know, we're in November now. If he doesn't bring them on against Leeds, a team that are struggling with them at the bottom of the league, then it, do- it does make you worry about the guy. At, at least there's Scotland games coming up which I'm sure he will feature heavily in. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm sure there are there are now sort of concerns, despite what I wrote only a few weeks ago, that, that this is this is uh, a situation where Norwich aren't getting the best out of him and, and they already look resigned to being a championship side, to be honest with you. They, they look like they've given up already. I have to say that I've been hearing a lot from people who watch Norwich a lot more regularly than, than we do that Gilmore didn't start the season well at all and was kind of a defensive liability. Um, And I can't really argue against that because I haven't been watching Norwich every week. But 
I don't think anyone's been playing well for Norwich <laughs> since exactly. the start of the season. Um, and since he's been out of the team, okay, they had a couple of clean sheets, a couple of goalless draws, but the, if that's your measure for success, I mean, you're going down anyway. <laughs> um, it, it's just a very strange situation. And, I, you know, I think back to the piece I wrote about Gilmore um, when the when the move was done, um, Norwich were far from the only club that were interested in him, and they really went all out to woo him uh, and and convince him that they had this plan, and it was all based on Daniel Farker's familiarity with Thomas Tuchel, and they see the game the same way. They both play a double six in midfield. You know that they they Gilmore and the people around Gilmore. I think were really sold on the fact that Norwich didn't just want him as a player; they wanted him because they had a plan for how to build a midfield around him. And it just feels like that's all been completely abandoned after a handful of games. And it, yeah, I, d- I don't really understand when Norwich don't have anything else going on. They don't have anything particularly great to turn to by the looks of things. Why not just give this a little bit of time? You're probably going down anyway, but you might get a chance to actually see this guy play play really good football. And I guess maybe there's an argument that... <laughs> Uh, you'd be developing a player who's not going to be there beyond this season, but you you might also be looking to take another player off Chelsea at some point in the future, and I don't think you'll help your chances if the, if this loan goes badly. Yeah, and just just to quickly add, and I, I think it was um, in that piece, which I also reflected on in in the piece we then did the other week, that that Liam wrote about how Chelsea and Norwich and and and, and Billy and all that saw that. Saw a move to Norwich as a chance to, for him to work on the defensive side of his game, um, and, and clearly, you know, it was right to flag that as a problem because it's been shown up at, at Norwich as well. Um, so Billy does have to look himself in the mirror a little bit, but you sort of think, right, you, you, you're down the bottom of the table. You need someone to create. You need someone to bring a bit of magic to make the difference to, to provide the X factor. Well. Yes, I'm not seeing Norwich every week, admittedly, but I saw them against Chelsea um, stink the place out. There was no creativity on show. And then I watched them against Leeds and there was, there was no one with the sort of ability to sort of thread a pass through or sort of string a few passes together in that Norwich side. I just find it very strange and perhaps Liam's touched on something there that that perhaps they're already looking ahead to next season when Billy Gilmore won't be there. Um, and sort of trying to develop what they have uh, within their own ranks, but um, but yes, I think uh, if this continues, Chelsea we should recall him. But let, let's move on to Conor Gallagher. Let's be upbeat. Come on, lift ourselves. Well, Conor Gallagher, Liam. I, I thought there were there were real echoes of Frank Lampard about the goal he, that he got at Manchester City on Saturday. Late on into the game, he was deep inside his own half when the move started, and there he popped up late in the box to to seal the win. He, he looks like a player who's got almost limitless potential at the moment. He's just such a, a talented all-round midfielder. Um, and that's been clear for quite a few years because he's played so many different midfield positions. I think he's had such a great footballing education. Um, the combination of his experiences going through Chelsea, England youth ranks and the loans that he's had. He's played at the base of midfield. He's played as like a box-to-box number eight. He's played as a 10. He's played wide and he's done them all well. And now you're seeing at Palace how much, how many different things he has to offer a team. Um, and I think, you know, the, the sense I got at the start of the season was 
from talking to people around him was that they they wanted to try and join a Premier League club that would have a bit more of the ball and look to play a bit more with the ball than than West Brom did last season. Um, and in some respects, you could look at, you could have looked at Palace and thought that's quite an optimistic um, assessment because Palace were really a blank slate in the summer. They they they've completely revamped their squad, hired a new coach. You didn't really know what they were going to do or, or how well it would work. But they look like a very good team now. They look like a very expansive, bright, vibrant young team that really looked to play with the ball. And Gallagher is proving himself an absolutely crucial part of that. Um, he's, it's just great to watch him. He's clearly having fun playing with this group of players. Uh, he did Chelsea a massive favour with that performance at the weekend. Um, and he's also doing himself no harm at all with um, with the position that he'll put himself in next summer because either he, he'll either make himself undeniable in terms of getting an opportunity at Chelsea, and I'm sure Tuchel will at least want to look at him again, or he puts himself in a really strong position to get a very good Premier League move elsewhere. I mean, either way, he's going to have an excellent career. He's going to be in the Premier League for a long time, I think. Yeah, the only, the only thing I would add is, is sometimes as a, as a journalist, you, you get you rely on someone's opinion to give them a view um, of a player that you, you perhaps haven't been able to watch religiously week in, week out. Um, and a few years ago, my my previous job, um, I had to do an assessment of youth players that Chelsea had, and one of them was Conor Gallagher. And thanks to Chelsea Youth for occasionally retweeting this article, or certainly a few parts of this article, um, the person I spoke to said, "Yeah, he's all right, but you know he's not the best technically." <laughs> and, and of course, I trusted this person for for their for their view of Conor Gallagher. Now, of course, at the time, that may have been an accurate assessment. But let's just say, like myself, the piece hasn't aged very well. <laughs> because, because Conor Gallagher is, uh, is clearly blessed with all the technique you want. The way he took that goal uh, at the Etihad just beautifully struck into the, into the goal kiss that caressed the post as it, as it flew into the net. Um, uh, and I, I sort of tweeted on Saturday night, not say, and, and some people still took offence, as they do on Twitter. I said, not saying Chelsea should sell. That seemed to trigger a lot of people. Um, but if Chelsea do sell, it's going to cost, it's going to cost a few quid. He's going to be quite a expensive purchase for someone if they try and sell him. I'm sure Crystal Palace would already love to sign him on a permanent basis, but yeah, they managed to get Mark Gehi out of Chelsea. But I think Conor Gallagher is going to cost more than that deal was. I think Palace wanted to sign him permanently last summer, but he was only on offer for for a loan. So, yeah, there, all those conversations will be ha- happening next year, I'm sure. But um, they'll all be on Gallagher's terms, won't they, if he keeps playing like this? Yeah, time will tell with Gallagher and with Gilmore. Uh, that's just about it for this week. Simon, you'll be on duty for the Athletic for the Malmo game. I'm guessing there'll be a Q&A involved in that. Oh, yes. And I'm sure the readers are delighted that I'm back on the Q&A duty because I'm so reliable. Uh, I think last week... I uh, I was so busy chatting to people, <laughs> I didn't log on to about twenty minutes for a kickoff. So, so uh, apologies for that. If you're finding my my uh, uh, lack of uh, responses early on um, a bit frustrating, so I'll try and be be there 
sort of good hour before kickoff to to chat about it. And of course, I'll be writing a piece on the game. Um, hopefully, it's as straightforward as we discussed earlier on. If it's not, I'll be very annoyed, as I'm sure a lot of you uh, <laughs> listeners will be as well. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod is the place to go to sign up. Uh, Liam, you're a new father. Is that messing with your football watching schedule or, or is baby allowing you to um, to catch every game pretty much in full? If so, let me just tell you that won't last. Yeah, it hasn't been too bad so far. Um, I mean, my wife is also off work, so that I, I've got someone to look after the baby um, during match times. We've also got a changing station within easy access of the TV, um, which is absolutely crucial i would have to say um so yeah i haven't haven't missed too much so far apart from the games that haven't been televised which would have been a problem anyway has uh, <laughs> has she passed judgment on any uh, on any action or any performances by an individual yet during the during a game i mean not through the medium of words she yeah, sometimes I, i'm vote, talking about nappies with, here <laughs> yeah she sometimes <laughs> voted with other parts of her body um <laughs> But but Chelsea haven't given her too much cause to be disgusted just yet. <laughs> no, there was a ripe and accurate assessment of Norwich's performance uh, around about uh, half past three last Saturday, but that was about it. Let's get out of here. I can see the face that producer Lucy is making and it only goes downhill when we start on this particular sure. thread. Surely it's time for one of my gags, Lucy. <laughs> That's all we've got time for today. You join us on Thursday uh, when Sam Parkin will be making his return alongside Dominic Fifield. Until then, from Liam, from Simon, from Lucy and from me, many thanks for listening. We'll catch up with you again later this week. The Athletic. <laughs>